My name's Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 110 of Cinepunk. Cinepunks. <laughs> so what's going on, Liam? How you doing, buddy? Oh, my God. Yo, I know. We look, fucked up. Yo, we said we are going to do this, and then we did this. I don't know. It's where we're at. Yo, look. Here's what I'm trying to say right now. I just wish the world would hurry up and end. If it's going to end... Can we just get it over with? You know what I mean? Like, Dude, I feel like I've been in a slow motion heart attack for the past three months. Like yeah. every single thing that happens, it's just like, ah! Yeah! I just, I mean, ah! I think we can save our specific rants for the whacking on track section. But uh, as far as how I'm doing generally, you know, I'm stuck at home. I'm a extreme extrovert who can only interact with people on the internet. Um, I'm realizing that I don't have as many friends as I thought. I have far more people who I only kind of know. Uh, if it wasn't for you and Justin Lore and my family and a few select other people who I love, I would be pretty lonely. It's it's really messed up, man. I'm like really in a space where it's like, you know, I got to figure out stuff for my student loans and taxes. And, you know, everyone hears the first thing and they're like, oh, cool. Like like today people were like, oh, man, did you get your check? I'm like, no, nah, I didn't get no damn check. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm on the bottom of the list. Or people are like, oh, you student loans? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. They're still sending me a bill demanding money. So I don't know if mine count for not paying. You know what I mean? Like there's just so much stuff you have to do to even possibly, you know, not have to have your shit, you know. So I'm just like just like the littlest of things are starting to annoy me right now and it's just getting really tiring yeah man i definitely can feel where you're coming from on that dude it's it's fucking brutal like every single thing at this point is just driving me off of an edge that i thought that i had jumped off earlier right so it's like a perpetual state of like just falling at this point i i got nothing man i got nothing to cling to it's brutal and i i got i got this i have Three guitars over here and a sure. ukulele. Yeah. <laughs> and I got my beautiful wife and my dog, George. But, I mean, as far as, like, creative outlets go and then, like, as far as inspiration and all that stuff to make new things and things that are vibrant and things that are alive, it just feels so difficult right now. I mean, I will say I've appreciated the videos that you've done um uh singing stuff i think that's great i love that you're doing that and i think that's one of my sources of joy during this time um a few other podcasts have been sources of joy but we'll we'll cover that in the in in the whacking on track section but i think about you a lot like when people ask me how i'm doing worrying about you is one of the things about how i'm doing because i just think (laughs) well because you're no like you're out there you're doing it you're 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 uh you're on the front line you know like you're 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 in a position where most people aren't you know and so i think about that a lot and i think about the bullshit of this world that you have to be in that position like granted that's part of like your job and whatever but um the resources and the effort should be there to protect you at all costs and i don't feel like that's what's going on no it's definitely a nation worldwide thing yeah it just feels like I mean, here's the thing, man, like healthcare in general isn't 
it's a profession, but it's also a calling. Same yeah. thing like teaching. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't just do it because because that's what you want to do to get your money. You do it because you actually believe in something. And uh, to have all of your beliefs bottled up and the line drawn between lucrative and uh, not and have that be the thing that determines the care that people get, it's frustrating as a person that's just a cog in the machine. Like, you just got to wonder, like, who are these, like, like, not that I'm, like, on some, like, you know, overfiend tip or anything like that like there's some secret wizard of oz mover behind everything i get it it's a business but also it's like fuck man it's not a business you know what i mean like these are people's lives and you also have to do this weird dance now where i'm at where like you're gonna do your best to take care of people but what are you gonna do to make sure that you don't get fucking sick right and it's the measures for that are just insane I think we're also both dealing with the the reality, and I think more and more people are, that we're still living in a world where any rational, reasoned critique of the system we're in is treated like pie-in-the-sky insanity. Like, if you just for one second go, I don't know, guys, you know, one, one major pandemic and capitalism seems to be falling apart at the seams, and everyone's like... Well, that's just something a crazy person would say. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> I'm not handing you like, a, you know, the, the sayings of Chairman Mao. Like, I'm not out here with a specific agenda. All I'm saying is clearly whatever system we think is working is not quite working. Uh, unless yeah. your definition of working is um, a loss of, of, of resources to all poor people and mass death. If that's working, then, yeah, everything's going great. But I just think more <laughs> and more people know it's not working. And yet there's a general feeling that like to admit that um, we need to at least change the way we're doing things, if not the exact system itself is like treated as like something a crazy, you're a crazy person. You're like, you might as well be ranting about reptoids or fucking tall whites or Bigfoot or something. You're like, like it's, you know, you're, you're basically a conspiracy theorist. If you have the theory that we could do things differently, that's something a crazy person says. And it's just like so disheartening because it just seems like now is the time for us to say, I don't know. It just seems like we could do this a little bit differently, guys. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that might be, I, I'm I'm taking all suggestions right now because <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 ears are open at this point. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, it's just it's outlooks bleak. You know what I'm saying? Well, I will agree with you that Cinepunks has been one of the sources of hope. We've gotten. Uh, a new show off the ground. We've gotten a lot of people hitting us up. I feel like uh, you know people are checking out the site. Uh, Justin's uh, uh, new uh, column is doing really well and getting a lot of attention. So I feel good about what we're doing here. And uh, that wouldn't be possible. Uh, that would not <laughs> be possible without our supporters on Patreon. So I want to thank you all up front. Um, and say that we really appreciate you. We really are, you know, we say it every episode that we're working on stuff, but we actually are working on some great stuff for you. Um, like I said, just be patient because uh, none of us are, are sitting around the house with tons of free time. We all have stuff going on. Um, and so if you can be patient, we're going to try to get you everything we can and uh, say thank you. We also want to thank our friends at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Yep. Those guys are awesome. Yep. Chris Reject is awesome. I know we uh, make a few jokes at his expense here and there. Sure. But um, at the heart of it, it is a great love and respect for that person. Yeah. And uh, Chris, I really appreciate your friendship. Yep. And um, 
Yeah, LVAC, xlvacx.com for all your screen printing needs. I want to point out that in a time where small businesses like Chris's, this is this is a small operation. It's a small, you know, basically a punk rock DIY company, you know, um, that a company like his that's really on the edge, that isn't, you know, rolling in cash, that is like really struggling to like pay the bills, that they're still doing charity stuff for people that they're yeah, still like pretty awesome it's unbelievable to to be expending that energy to help others at this time is i think really commendable because it'd be really easy to curl up in a ball of fear we're seeing that from companies that are like massive mega corporations like giant institutions that are built upon billions of dollars are, are going into fear mode and here's this scrappy team of like a dozen people who are like trying to help people even as they try to stay afloat so uh now is the time order some shirt some shirts of course the turnover right now is going to be not existing because they're not open <laughs> but if you put your order in now they're going to jump on it as soon as they can and it helps them stay open you know like let's just say it for what it is you're giving someone money for something you're not going to get right away but you're doing that because you want them to exist you want them to continue to be in the world and i think chris's business is well worth that investment agreed totally agreed another company that actually has shown uh pretty great um ethics in this caustic time is uh a cycling cap company called walls caps w-a-l-z-c-a-p-s.com they've been um they've repurposed their um their their studios where they make you know high high end uh cycling caps and they've been using it to make masks for um for people and they gave me they gave uh they gave they're giving them out to people who are healthcare workers on the front lines um they're giving them out for free so you just have to email them and then they'll send you however many you want and um i got one and it's one of the it's it's one of the good masks that i have and i wear it every day and i really appreciate them and i think they're a really good company and uh, their hats are pretty dope too. If you're a, a hat person, which you know, as a baldy, I am by default. Uh, and uh, yeah, so so go and check them out as well. So I think they're pretty awesome. All right, we've thanked who we needed to thank. We've complained a little bit about uh, the unfair system into which <laughs> we've been thrown via this pandemic. Well, we were already in an unjust system, but the pandemic has made it more clear for everyone. And now it's the time for us to talk about. <laughs> movies no what is it we do right now i forget we talk about stuff for the fairly regular yeah. basis on yeah. every episode we've done yeah. 110 yeah. times uh, uh, yet it never comes so easily to mind when it's yeah, time to do it something it rhymes it's a thing that what rhymes. do we call it again it <laughs> it for sure does that I think it's a thing that we call whack it on whack track. it on track, <laughs> dude. It's what hey guys, it's hard to do this on Skype. It's hard to do whack it on track on Skype. Okay, it's just hard to line it up. I mean, we're always like either yeah. stoked or bummed on things that are whack yeah. or on track. Getting that cue to line is hard. Is... There's a lot of visual signals. Maybe we, maybe next yeah, time we'll turn man. our video on just so we can line it up. We'll like we'll like be looking at each other. Yeah, to do that's it. and that way we could use our light up cones and uh, yellow traffic vests. And stuff oh, you so son we know. of a bitch! Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> uh, so you want to go first? You want so, me to go first? What do you want to do here? Go ahead, Liam. Okay, go. so hey, uh, whacking on track. Well, uh, let's start with on track. Me and Suze. So uh, you know, caveat. 
I watch a lot of movies for podcasts, so I haven't watched a ton of stuff. But me and Sue's, you know, we decided to have our own kind of version of a date time, which is just basically our daughter was asleep, so we had a little bit of extra time to like watch something. So we watched uh, that movie Emma. Have you seen this yet? Oh, how was it with uh, the girl from? It's the young lady from yes. um, the witch. Uh, she is great, and that's partly why I wanted to watch this. Um, here's the thing: my exposure to Emma is entirely summed up in Clueless. Did you know Clueless oh, was yeah. Emma? Clueless is Emma set in modern times. It's the same thing. Oh, oh yeah, yes, 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 yes. It's basically, that was the that was the appeal. To people who read books, the appeal of Clueless was that it's Emma, but it's like modernized, you know? Um, I only found this out semi, like a few years ago. That's when I found this out. Uh, and I am one of those people that, kind of loves clueless you know I, I don't put it on a lot but when it came out you know it was a big deal i thought it was fun and funny and you know alicia silverstone and all that stuff so oh and also early paul rudd nothing wrong there um and no, uh and so that's my exposure all the other things you know there's uh gwyneth paltrow did an emma i think there's some older johns that uh, versions of emma i haven't watched any of that stuff i will say the clueless version of emma though my understanding in comparison to the novel is that you know alicia silverstone's emma is like uh you know she's just naive you know she's just naive and that's why she hurts people because she doesn't quite get how the world works you know what i'm saying mm. yeah emma in this movie is a sociopath and that from what i understand is what the book is more about that emma has led such a privileged life without any trials and tribulations that she doesn't quite get that she can't just do whatever she wants and manipulate people that she can't just say whatever she wants she can't just go around being a that basically her role as a matchmaker is not actually as magnanimous as she thinks it is that she's actually like hurting people and just doesn't see it you know now now does this movie capture that as well as it does in the book i don't know i've never read the book but i can say that this was charming (laughs) for me um now uh, I did watch this as I said with Susan. She loved it; like she was laughing the whole time. She, <laughs> so if you're someone yeah. for whom maybe this sort of thing is up your alley, this might be like your favorite movie of the year. I am not usually into period films. A lot of this felt like uh, white people nonsense. Um, that being said, it was still mostly charming. Uh, the young woman, I should know her name. I'm sorry, it escaped my, my brain, but the the uh, young woman from The Witch is awesome in it. Um, there's a number of other performances, including uh, Bill Nighy, uh, that are just stellar, just, just really good. Um, I think it's just hard for me to be too compelled by, like, you know, girl learns not to be selfish basically you know what i mean and so that's there's a there's like a barrier to me to like really get invested in that uh oh back to the characters there's also two actors in this film who are on that show sex education which is like one of my favorite netflix shows ever so that alone was like sick you know just because i like them so much (laughs) but that being said even though this isn't really my vibe it's funny it's funny it's charming and it's funny in a very witty way there's it's very like well done and uh this this young lady is doing she's giving so much face there's all the acting is in her response you know what i mean like that her uh, facial whatever however you want to think of that is just unbelievable just next level just really good so i 
Her name is uh, Anya yeah. Taylor-Joy. Anya Taylor-Joy in this movie is giving you the face that you desire. Like, it's just her just expressions are just killing me in this film. Um, again, if you have a low tolerance for snappy British dialogue in a period film, this is not for you. You don't want to see this. But if you're someone for whom that already sounds good, this feels to me, in my taste, the best possible example of that, that you're not going to get a better version of that thing if that's what you like. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yep. Word. So I watched that. Um, I also, I finished Avatar The Last Airbender. Ah, it's great. Fun. We're going through a second time because now Maeve, she was mostly on board, but she was a little skeptical of it. And now that we've done the whole, you know, series, she's now made us restart the series because now she's totally on board. <laughs> so we're almost through the series for a second time, which is exhausting, uh, usually. But this time, I, I like the show. Uh, the only frustration is I've now moved on to the sequel show, The Legend of Korra. And I love The Legend of Korra maybe even more so far. Granted, I'm I'm only a few episodes in, but Maeve is not interested in Korra. Not at all. We have not gotten her on board even a little bit. (laughs) So I'm a little frustrated watching Avatar only because I wish I was watching Korra, you know? But uh, it is what it is. Uh It's, It's fun. I like what they do with it. I like that has so much going through its DNA that is uh, very Asian and it's unapologetic about that. <laughs> it never tries to hold your hand about that. It never tries to like uh-huh. uh, explain things. It just is what it is. And I love that. I love the whole vibe of it. So yeah, I'm really glad I watched it I, again. I would have never checked it out, you know, like, and nice. you know, pseudo anime Nickelodeon series. No, thank you. That doesn't sound like a thing I would like, but actually it's very well done. It's very, very good. Um, it's really well yeah, animated. I, I actually prefer the animation in, in Korra, but they're both very well animated. What what um, <clears throat> Avatar does that Korra doesn't is that it has those cartoony moments that break up the more realistic moments, and I, I find that really charming, uh-huh. but I just think the, the animation went to a next level on Korra that I think is very, very good. So if you are an Avatar person but you never checked out Legend of Korra, I would recommend it so far. Maybe it jumps the shark at some point, but so far it's been... It's been very, very good. Uh, I also want to lift up. Uh, I say lift up like I'm in church. That's so weird. Uh, a friend of the show, Dana Bellateri, pointed that out because we went to college together and we went to Jesus College together. So we had like some of the trauma of that. And she was like, you know, you say lift up like you're you have a prayer request in church when you when you're talking about things you like. You say, I want to lift up whatever, which is really what they used to say about a prayer request in in evangelical churches. And I was like. Oh man, that's really embarrassing, but it's true. I do it. So, anyways, um, uh, that band Drain—they had a really good promo tape mm. over the summer. I mean, I didn't get the tape, but it was on Spotify. Uh, they just released their full album, and it's very good. I am really enjoying it. So, uh, if you like, you know, it's kind of thrashy, but also kind of heavy hardcore. Uh, it's not like thrashy like Dead Heat, but it's um. Uh, it has a little bit more of that thrashy sort of vibe. Uh, if that sounds up your alley, y'all, I highly recommend it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, sorry, y'all. There was something else that just came out, and I've completely forgotten what it is. Oh, well, never mind. So just get just focus on Drain. <laughs> there was something that came out that I tried to save. So I was like, oh, I want to talk about this on the show. And then it looks like I didn't do it. 
Okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> it was like, you know, you see something on Instagram. Someone posts it like, oh, this record's really hard. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. And I go and look at it on Spotify, and I thought I hit that little heart button so it'd be in my likes. But I didn't because I'm a loser. A loser, Josh. I'm a loser. <laughs> it's something with rat in the name that just came out. Which, by the way, I love that. I love the the sort of weird 80s. It's kind of really weird 80s vibe. Oh, well. I'll find it, and I'll talk about it on the next episode, okay? Okay. Okay. Only if you promise. I promise. What was the last band that I heard of that had that rat in the name? It was like Rats in the Walls was the name of the band? Yeah, this uh, isn't that. <laughs> no. Okay. Never mind. Gosh darn it. I really wish I could remember because it was very good. Oh, well. All right. Sorry. Go ahead, Josh. Uh, I think that's it for me. I will say Whack is obviously like our crumbling uh, infrastructure and the idea that uh, they want to open the country completely back up already, even though we're just not ready yet, obviously. Uh, uh, um, I want to say I now have two friends, I think, who have had relatives pass away from COVID, so... You know, yeah, it's, it's, things are hard right now. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that I am whack on, even though I should be thankful because it's actually really helpful, but I'm just tired of it. And that is, uh, that's zoom. I'm, I'm over, I'm so over zoom. (laughs) It's just exhausting, right? Like if it, if you're really just doing it for fun, it is, the band is actually called rat cage. Rat cage. Wow. Rat cage just put out a new record called uh screams from the cage and it is very good if you like thrashy hard kind of like raw punk stuff um fans also like uh exit order impalers Seal, and uh warthog just to give you an idea of the band spotify is associating with and lumpy and the dumpers of course but um <laughs> anyway sorry back to what i was saying um yeah it's just zoom is helpful i guess but i just think it, that you can't really connect to people on it very well and it just gets exhausting being on there if you're on there a lot which granted you know bless my life i haven't had to be on there a lot but i had a meeting today <laughs> that i had to be on there and it was just it should have been life-giving because I love the people I was in the meeting with and it was great to see their faces, but I just don't love it. I don't like being on my computer like that, um, which is weird because right now, you know, all I have is nature and screen time, right? Those are my only real <laughs> options. Um, I don't have the free time and quiet to read a book. So really, I'm in nature with my daughter or I'm looking at a screen. As the only real things in my life, I guess like talking and eating, but you know what I mean. So, uh, yeah. so usually I love screens, but now I'm overwhelmed by them. It's like too much screen time in my life, and I always hate nature, but now I'm loving nature because it's like the one thing I can take Maeve to <laughs> to get her. Uh, I do want to clarify uh, the other whack thing is that um, quarantine is making me gain weight. I've been gaining weight, and I hate it. Uh, and people see me, I make posts on social media out in nature. People see me out in nature with Maeve and think, oh, they're hiking. Maeve is a three-year-old. She does not fucking hike. We're not hiking. We are going <laughs> on a short walk to a beach so she can throw rocks into a creek. And halfway through this walk, which is maybe 100 yards at most, probably less than 100 <laughs> yards, she's saying, 
oh, I hate walking. Can you pick me up? <laughs> so is your man's <laughs> going out in nature and getting the exercise in that he needs? Hell no. I got more exercise as a sub because I had to go up and down the stairs and I couldn't access the elevator. So, like, I am not getting the exercise I need. And it's really hard. If she was a little bit older, I probably could, like, run with her a little bit or get her to like chase me more but at three it's just i gotta do it on my own and i just haven't had the time to do it so uh, that part's a little frustrating again you know i have friends who have family members who've passed away so clearly what i'm going through it's not so bad things are pretty good but (laughs) but that doesn't mean it's not annoying in its own way dude i've been eating pandemic carbs left and right it's awesome. Oh, I'm sure it is. I mean, <laughs> I'll be for real, for real, man. You need that right now. You need that 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 sh- that feeling like you can cheat a little bit. You know, it's. I mean, I'm I'm not saying it's the best thing, but uh, pizza still rules. Turns out, so Melani and I got a Santucci's oh, the other day, and it was pretty. I'm so pretty jealous. Great. I'm, I'm not gonna so lie. jealous. Yeah, nah. It's 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 one of those things, man. Where you're just like, you know what? The heart wants what it wants, man. So we're just going for it. That's just I mean, how we're I living wanna, right now. I want to be disrespectful so. to you because I don't have good pizza here, so I'm not really doing the pizza thing. But I did have Wendy's tonight. So while Wendy's is uh, not as good, it is a comfort food for me. Um, weirdly, because it's like not even the best hamburger I can get, but something about it just feels familiar i guess part of it's because wendy's has diet dr pepper so i get to get a giant diet dr pepper Uh, i need a relatively okay fast food burger that's like a comfort thing for me Uh, now would i rather be comforting with tacos yes i would but the taco place near me is closed they just unlike a lot of restaurants they were just like oh is everyone getting sick fuck it we're closed like bye you know like they were not interested in taking the risk yeah Nah, I get it, man. But that DDP, Diet Dr. Pepper, Fucking love that love shit, it. man. Fucking wonderful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so my turn. Uh, as far as on track goes, um, me and Melani have been watching a lot of movies, obviously. We we watched Onward, um, the new Disney Pixar movie. I don't know if I talked about it on the I last think you, one. I think you did. I'm quite sure when... Yeah, super fun. Um, I've been watching a lot of TV. It's not really my thing, but um, Melani, I don't know if you guys know, my beautiful wife loves drag queens, so we've been catching up on RuPaul's Drag Race, and we are we just been crushing season after season. So we're up to like season eleven now. So I think we're like one season away from where it actually is in real time, and uh, I'm enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's like the kind of good carbohydrate, like, you know, not so much substance, a whole lot of flavor that I'm looking for right about now because I don't really know if my heart can take a lot more investment, really. I mean, which is funny to say, given the gravity of one of the movies that we watched or actually both of the movies that we watched for this episode. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely in need of some lighthearted joy kind of uh, viewing stuff because, man, it is it's bleak, you know, like just everything is for me working in the healthcare profession and this is my whack obviously working in in the industry of mental health is already like in good times it's still a strange and almost uncharted territory in that you don't really know like it's not like when someone's sick you can just do this and then like you can follow these metrics and realize like oh the temperature's going down they're no right. longer sick and um 
in issues of mental health things just are so mercurial and they there there's like it's a dance right like you got to figure between uh medication and between uh treatment regimen and all that stuff you know you hope that things fall into place and that's the best that you can do at any turn because any one thing can go horribly awry and that would throw everything off in the rest of the balance but given the whole circumstance of everything going on right now we we everything is just so different and it's so brutal and you see the very clear delineation between people who have money and people that don't and the kind of treatment that they can get and the trident treatment that they'll get in this time and as a person who's responsible for helping with the purveyance of that help it is my my soul is slowly getting crushed i feel you it is it's so horrible man like i can't even it's just brutal to like work in a situation that's already emotionally taxing to begin with but then set up with the constraints of what's going on in this day and age to still try and see the hope and to still try and convey the love to people that don't have that it's exhausting yeah i believe it man i mean i don't know and i try to i try to stay you know me liam i try to stay upbeat i try to stay on my game i do my best that i can but like at this point in most facilities um you know regular like hospital stays people like have things like televisions they can keep their phones on them they can do like things and we can't have visitors for people, but also like patients on acute inpatient psych units can't have cell phones on them. It's just one of the things. So like we've had to take away things like communal rooms, community rooms. And like, we we can't have therapeutic groups now because we can't have more than like five people in one room and like all this kind of stuff. So patients basically have to stay in their rooms on the units and we don't have the resources to give them like stuff to do. They don't have TVs in their rooms. You know what I mean? Like they don't have things like that. So it's just like, well, what do I have then to just be like, Hey man, you should definitely take your medications. And when you get outside, you probably shouldn't smoke K2 and so on and so forth. But it's like, what am I supposed to say? You know what I mean? Like, what am I trying to impart for people? And, the fact that I don't know an answer to that really bothers me. It, it really, really frustrates me. And what I consider my mission of trying to alleviate pain and sorrow in this world. And, um, yeah, it's That's hard. So man. Hard. I'm having a time. It sucks. It sucks real bad. And I mean, like, you know, part of survival is taking care of yourself. So I recognize like, listen, if I'm not going to be able to give the kind of care and everything that I, that I'm used to giving to the people that are in my charge, I have to make sure that I take care of myself as well. Right. Because if I can't, you know, to quote RuPaul, you can't love yourself. How the hell are you going to love anybody else? Amen. And I get an amen. amen. But, um, it's just, it's tough because it's like, well, the things that I normally do to, keep hope alive in my heart to keep like myself, you know, focused on the real picture of healing and of love and of hope. I can't do those things. I can't go to band practice. I can't go to shows. I can't, you know, and I'm very lucky in that. Like I have Melani here with me 
and I and she gets to work from home so like it's good that I can just come home and she's here that that makes me very happy but it's also just like the actual like the mana if you will you know the songs like those things are changing and I, I I can't hang with my boys I can't like be in a room with like you know my favorite musicians singing songs that I wrote and shit like that like that shit is breaking my understandably. heart understandably you know I mean like people tell you like that's kind of my thing I do bands cause you know helps me deal that's how I define my world you know and uh yeah I don't have any of that right now and uh it's not just a thing it's like oh no you don't get to hang out with your boys like no like that's that's the life there for me like I've said it before um if I don't create then the work that I do suffers but also if I don't do the work that I do my creative process suffers as well so this is that this is the the work without the creative process and it's it's a stifling it's a suffocation that I'm slowly slowly trying to deal with but it's it's a long road man it's not good and uh, that's why I'm really grateful to have Cinepunks. That's why I'm grateful to have you as one of my best friends. I can talk to you and we could talk about movies and there's a transformative aspect to it. And, you know, what I mean, like I still have love for you and for movies and for the movies we watch, even the movies that we hate. And that's good. But like, I mean, my life is such that I built it all together. So just like how work is like difficult to do without music, so is music difficult right. to do without work but also movies are a part of that cinepunks is also a part of that you know what i mean like it's hard to do work without cinepunks so i still have this so that's that's definitely a bright spot but i mean and it's tough too watching on social media seeing everybody that's like oh man i don't believe like how much like baking yeah. i'm doing <laughs> you're like oh sick they have to take my temperature every day when i get to work to make sure i'm not sick at which point I have to go work with a bunch of sick ass people and we it's it's brutal. Right. And like not to mention the whole just like bureaucracy of all of this. I mean, I, like, I do want to uh, say like th- there's two sides to this sort. On one hand, I think a lot of the people who are acting like everything is totally cool. A lot of these people are faking the funk that actually they're going a little bit crazy right now because at some basic level, this large of a disruption to your everyday life is stressing you out. That the only people who I believe might actually be completely happy right now are people whose life circumstances were so fucking bad that this is the break they needed and whatever, you know. But I think most people, no matter how many cute videos they do about chili or whatever, that underneath that, they're probably not doing great. On the other hand, I mean, I think your example is probably a little more sympathetic because you're at a hospital. So all you have to say to most rational humans is like you're working at a hospital and people. Oh, yeah. okay. But I do think a lot of people are working right now at hospitals, at fucking grocery stores, at wherever. And some of those people are pretty protected. I was, you know, pretty impressed with uh, some of the protections at Wendy's, you know. Uh, I was like, wow, yeah. this, this Wendy's is taking this thing seriously, you know, like that's great. But, uh, but there are plenty of places where uh, people are just being asked to work for 
no money, you know, and you're in a situation where people should fucking know better. Like people, the way that you're being yeah. treated doesn't vibe with what we expect from a hospital. And so I think it's it's important to take that all into account that like on one hand, yes, this is hard for most people. and There's only a few people out there who are like, I don't give a fuck. This is great. That, that's a that's a rare bird. On the other hand, um, not only do I want people to give you the respect for the sacrifice you're making, which to me is like a real ass sacrifice, but also like to like feel like they should be putting pressure in whatever way they can on all of us to be thinking like, how can we support an institution like a hospital not really giving the resources needed to the people who work there? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it sucks, man. I mean, like, dude, they've been making us sign out hand sanitizers. Ugh. What? Are you fucking kidding me? And it's like, and it's not because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to villainize like my employer or anything like that. But like, dude, I get it. It sucks. People like when this whole thing went down, somebody stole like a bunch of the masks that we had at the at the job, which is like, dude, that's fucked up. And like now they have to do the things like we have to sign in for masks every morning and all this other stuff in addition to like getting fucking temperatures tested and all that stuff. But it's just it's like what? How is this is real? You know what I mean? Like it sucks, dude. It's there's no bright side to it. And I don't know. It's I, I mean like on I, I get to work with my brother, so I guess that's kind of cool. Like if one of us is going down, we're both going down, so that's pretty good. But like other than that, you know, it's just, it's a drag, man. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not having a good time. <laughs> it's, it's, it sucks. But on the on track side, <laughs> I've you been watching You technically this- started with on track <laughs> and then we got obviously diverted for obvious reasons because of all the pain and suffering in your life right now but it's funny how you technically yeah, started that. with on track and then suddenly it was like also everything sucks <laughs> but i will say that the uh danny diablo iced tea slash trapped beef on twitter that i've been following has been really entertaining so there's that i mean that dude really and, fucked uh, up because like you know riley from power trip is no joke but he's not really gonna go get you iced tea is a is a you know a real gangster but he's also famous enough that he's not going to come get you there's no reason for lord Isaac not to find out where you live <laughs> and the moment this covid stuff is over for him not to come get you there's not really i mean i guess he's probably trying to avoid <laughs> jail time right now but you know what i mean like it just seems like of all the people to start beef with you really had to include lord Isaac in that like yo bro and i love lord Isaac's uh, just like it's lovely just ask around about who i am man like just just find out dude the fact that they have a show coming up in New York, this trap band. Oh. oh, my goodness. It's so good. It's just, you know, it's it's straight up like pull out the popcorn. Let's just bust out that DDP. Let's have a seat and just enjoy the show. Oh, That's man. where I'm at. Yeah, good times. Good times. So, yeah. Anything else on track? Um... There are, there are, and again, I'm, I know it sounds dour, and I know that I just complained a bunch. <laughs> there are bright spots, and um, like I said earlier, um, companies like Walls Caps are making uh, masks for people that are working in the front lines. Like that's a really like 
selfless and magnanimous thing to do. I think that's pretty cool, you know, and uh, I have friends that have made me masks and I appreciate them. And I think that's really nice that people are taking time to think about us and like, you know, these these times. So, you know, I will say there there are bright spots, you know, um, everyone at the hospital just got a got an email today from North Face from the company North Face that's saying that uh, everything that they they have for sale, they're signed to healthcare workers for a half price and like, you know, stuff like that, like just things that could be useful as we move forward through this in terms of like infection control and actual gear that you can use. Like that shit's cool that they're like, yeah, just take half off and, you know, okay. Appreciate that. Like, that's not a bad thing. And, um, trying to find those like bright spots and, and they're there, they're there. You know what I mean? I'm convinced, but, um, so yeah, so that's on track. And, uh, other than that, that's all I got, man. I mean, that's not nothing. That's not nothing. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm, I'm yeah. still glad that you got real with it on the wax side. Like I, I think people should know that it's, you know, it's hard, right? It, it's, you know, it's hard out there for a healthcare worker. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it sucks when people are like, Hey man, how are you doing? And you're like, okay, well just don't cry. <laughs> it's like, how are you doing? Well, I don't know. I'm hoping not to cry in front of you right now. That's all I got. Sometimes you just got to cry in front of them, Josh. Like, I just think that's the reality, yeah, you know? I, I mean, even like for anyone out there who's, you know, I just want to affirm, you know, I was feeling really bad uh, this week and, you know, my immediate inclination, and, and I know this isn't how other people, how everyone is, but my immediate inclination is to feel a lot of guilt around that. Like, well, you know, who cares? Whatever, whatever. But like, let's be clear, like, Everyone is going through, whether you're cognizant of it or not, everyone is going through a certain amount of mourning right now. You know, everyone's going through a certain amount of like uh, understanding that the world is different and and a little bit of stress about what that means for you. And even if you're uh, a, a little bit of a skeptic about this whole thing, some part of you has to know like, well, this could all break very bad. And then what am I going to do in that situation? And so I think like, you know, not to glorify your anxieties or anything like that, but like live into that reality. Just admit like you're not doing well and that's okay. You know, um, I just think yeah. like we should be very honest about that as people um, because I think actually that honesty keeps you from glorifying it because then you just realize like, oh, that's where we all, we're all basically in that situation where uh, uh, that that's, we're not happy in some way. And I think that makes it easier then for mm. you to, be supportive of your friends who are like dealing with more than you are, whether that's because they have a family member who's sick or like you, they're in a position where they're being put in danger or there's someone who like, uh, isn't sure how they're going to pay their bills right now. Cause they don't have that income coming anymore. Lots of people have different reasons to be feeling bad. I don't think hiding how you're feeling makes them feel better. I think it's just acknowledging like, okay, this is not easy. And these are the folks that like, if I have the energy to, I can reach out to, you know? Yeah, uh, I think I can sum it up with a little story. Okay. <laughs> so uh, last week we've had this one dude client on the floor hasn't said anything for like a good six to eight months or whatever. Just pretty depressed or whatever. Pretty psychotic. Out of nowhere, homeboy just starts throwing punches at your boy. You caught me twice. And uh, that was when I was like, oh, wait a minute. I think this guy's trying to fight me. And then, you know, had to do the thing. But let's just talk about this for a minute. Like here I am, I have to work 
taking care of people that I'm hoping for the best for. Right. But that also entails like a risk. I haven't seen my parents or like my nephew and my niece since this whole thing has gone down. You know what I mean? Like I'm putting Melani, the love of my life, at danger for going to work, this kind of stuff. And this dude just tries fighting me. And I'm trying to help this dude. You know what I mean? Like, what does that do to a person? It's a fucking lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and like, so I'm sitting here, I'm trying not to hurt this dude because, you know, he's sick. I get it. But he's throwing punches at me and he's floridly psychotic and he's drooling all over the place. And dude, it was all I could do not to tear his arms off of his body. But that was, I'm not going to lie to you. Like that was my heart's inclination. You know, it's like this motherfucker right here. So that's my reality. Like every day. Yeah. So I don't know. On one side, I'm just like, man, fucking quit. It's a job. You'll get another one, you know? And, uh, yeah, that's cool. But also it's just like, I can't, I can't disrespect the other people that I'm trying to help and that are actually grateful and need that help. And even that dude, he needs the help too. You know what I mean? He needs a compassionate person to be there. And I, you know, I make, I make no mistake. Like I don't really consider myself to be like the most blessed individual or anything like that, but I am blessed with that. So I kind of feel like if I were to just be like throwing my hands up and be like, fuck it, I'll be disrespecting that. You know what I mean? Which is like the one weird sacred thing that I hold. But I think you could so, find other ways to help people. Like I, if you got to a point where you were like this scenario, this condition I'm in to help people isn't working and I need a better way to do it. I don't think that would be you giving up on helping people. I think that would be you looking for a better fit. I do think even though now is the hardest time for you mid pandemic is also a bad time to be looking for another job. So yeah, the, yeah, no, I think no, the reality no, for sure. You're going to have to stick this out and whatever that looks like. But I do think if you get to the point where you really feel like they're putting you in crazy danger, I think you could walk away and not feel like you're doing something crazy, you know? Cause I just think like it's a risk. What you're doing is a risk and it's a calculated risk in some ways, but that the institution you're working for and the conditions under which that institution operates are making it hard for you right now uh, and making that calculated mm. risk a higher risk. And I think it's fine to take that seriously. Yeah. No, that's what it is. But it's like if at, everything starts <laughs> up again and the economy hasn't completely crashed, I would be like, hey, Josh, maybe just take another look around, see if there's anywhere else he could work, you know? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I do have a couple irons Good. in the fire, and I have a couple things I'm waiting to plan out, pan out and see how it goes. And once that ticket's in, man, yeah, there's going to be like a parachute and one happy Pinot jumping out yeah, of a plane. Dog. That's what that yeah. is, you know what I mean? Like, So I'm just waiting for those opportunities to come in. I'm trying to hang in there until then. But I'll tell you what, if I go to work tomorrow... There's nothing but a big old pile of rocks. I'll be bummed that I have to redo uh, my resume <laughs> and all that, but like, I'll be like, okay, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I get uh, it. I hear your message and I'm, I'm listening. Well, yeah. I, I hope you know at. that 
I'm thinking about you and lots of other people are thinking about you and you know your friends are here man like we can we, we we're always here for you to open up to but I, I understand like you're really you really got the pressure on right now man and I think you're doing a great job thanks man I appreciate your love and I appreciate all the love of all my friends and it's a difficult time and you know damn wash your hands you know what I'm saying man I've been washing my hands so much you know I was always uh, I was always pretty good about hand washing but like doing it obsessively because of this makes me feel like man I was not washing my hands enough you know what I mean just because like I'm doing it so much now and I'm like man I really thought I did it a lot before but who knew <laughs> who knew there were new levels I could reach yeah I know I get these weird moments where I can't tell if it's my skin or if it's gloves Ugh. yeah that's weird yeah I mean a good thing to keep in mind mm-hmm. y'all even if you're wearing gloves think of your gloves as covered in red paint if you don't want to get red paint on you, you don't touch yourself, right? So if you have gloves on, but then you're touching your face and stuff, that's cross-contamination, y'all. Like, you got to treat the gloves a certain way. You know, it's, people don't think about that, you know. But yeah. Anyways, well, that's whacking on track. Uh, I hope it wasn't too heavy for y'all, but I also hope. <laughs> it's sorry no, to be a bummer, I, I guys. I think it's sorry real. People need to hear what what we're actually going through, and you know we're bringing some of that to us watching these movies. So I, I think it's an important part of, of the show. Uh, but uh, you know, this can always be an interactive thing. So let us know what you think. Let us know how you feel about the whacking on track, but also like what's helping you get through right now. What is what is uh, 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 on track for you right now in this time when so many things feel whack. And if you just want to complain to us about all the whack shit, that's great, too. That's that's totally fine. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk about two films that um, we chose not because there's a thematic connection, but because they're available for you to stream right now. Um, and sh- they should have been in theaters, but obviously nothing is in theaters right now. Uh, and you can even support independent theaters by watching them, by paying to watch them. And so we wanted to, to cover that as sort of a, of a contemporary thing. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk about Bakurao and uh, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. That is a difficult title to remember, but it's worth remembering. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that movie Martha yeah! Marcy made Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, you're bringing me back. <laughs> also yeah, a good, good movie. All right. Cool. Peace. After the break. If you live 
So, you know, unless this is your first time listening to Cinepunks, if you're a long-time listener, you know that we tend to, to, to go in two directions. We tend to do either classic films that matter to us or matter to our guests, things that are like, you know, maybe not old. We don't go a lot to like, you know, 40s and 50s, but we do things that were in the past that were important to people, or we cover- Basically, we talk about Big Trouble in Little China every two weeks. Sure, something like that. Or <laughs> we cover like the hot new thing, the thing that's in theaters right now. Uh, but funny enough, I don't know if you guys know this, nothing is in theaters right now because- What, is there some type of worldwide pandemic going Yeah, it's strange. Uh, funny enough, they don't want us to all be at a uh, room together breathing at each other's mouths apparently that's oh, weird unsafe so uh instead a lot of companies have moved their product uh films uh to the various online spaces and a number of films if you see them uh on a certain thing you can then support a theater of your choice so i had the bright idea of saying like josh Let's cover some movies that are available in the virtual space that are like new movies that people might be missing out on. And one of those movies you can watch and give money to a theater that you care about, either through Kino Now or through uh, some of the other. There's some other uh, ones specifically through through uh, the theater of your choice. And that's so the two movies we're covering are Bacurau, which is a Brazilian film from 2019. Apparently it broke all the records in brazil too it's it was huge in that country and, and now it's was supposed to make its way to our shores right about now but you know it's not a good time for that and then the other one was uh never rarely sometimes always which also was supposed to make a theatrical debut um if you support it i don't know that you can donate to a theater through that one but you can definitely support the company directly um through rental so uh you know we i just thought that was a good time for us to focus on two films that have an impact right now um especially with Baccarat that you can actually support a local theater now josh if you were going to choose a theater to donate to or if you did choose a theater to donate to to watch Baccarat what 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 theater are you, are you thinking of uh the Bryn Mawr Film Institute where oh, which, yeah, uh, yeah, one yeah. of the programmers is friends of the show um and uh, they all they do really good work, and they show a lot of good movies. And some are repertoire, some are like new and stuff like that. But they're a, a fierce independent force in in um, Philadelphia for cinema, and uh, I really think that they deserve our support and love. 
So that's that would be my choice. For Baccarat, I specifically supported the County Theater in Doylestown simply because it was geographically the closest theater to where I live. <laughs> um, there are other things in the Lehigh Valley. So if you're a Lehigh Valley person and you want to support Emmaus or some of these other theaters, there are things you can do. It was just Baccarat was specifically on Kino now, so I could support it that, that way and that one of the theaters on that list was County. And honestly, I love that theater in Doylestown. I go there when I can and it felt like I was directly supporting someone who I would have already given money to. Mm. But I am planning to see that movie Corpus Christi. And uh, if you do live in the Lehigh Valley or if you live anywhere and you like the Emmaus theater, um, you can rent Corpus Christi through the Emmaus theater and you know, you're watching it at home, but the money, part of the money, a portion of the money is going to the Emmaus theater, which uh, I really respect them. And, and we're hoping should public gatherings ever be safe again, um, we're still hoping to work with the Emmaus Theater. So uh, if you can support them, check out Corpus Christi. Uh, but we checked out a little Brazilian movie starring Udo Kier, as well as a number of other Brazilian actors who I'm sure are important, but I didn't know who they were, <laughs> called Bacurau. And so I wanted to Bacurau. say to you, Josh, let's start it off. What did you think of Bacurau? Well, I just saw The Hunt maybe like two days before we watched Bacurau. Yeah. And um, the similarities are striking, yep. I will say. But uh, I 100% enjoyed Baccarat way more. I thought it was a really well-done movie. I thought that um, Udo Kier is just fucking creepy, huh? Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him in a movie where he didn't give me the heebie-jeebies. Like, that dude is a creep monster. Ugh. Yeah. But um, that said, I loved his creep in this movie. I thought he was really... Uh, really fun i mean not maybe not fun is the word but like he was effective as that creepy german dude and um he was a great villain good time i mean like not like a notable villain or anything like that but he's definitely i really love the trope of like the things like in the darkness come to light kind of stuff and right that, this is what happens in this movie and i love this movie i thought it was really good um, I enjoyed it very much. I think, uh, I don't know who, but I, I saw someone refer to uh, this movie as if the hunt didn't suck was sort of their <laughs> yeah. opinion of it. Um, or uh, as someone else was like, you know, gets at the themes of the hunt, but doesn't have the chip on its shoulder of American politics. Like this is definitely a Brazilian movie injected with uh, a Brazilianness, uh, a Brazilian concern, and really a, a movie that I think is coming from more of a leftist perspective. Uh, one of the, when I I tweeted out today, just I watched it this morning and was just blown away by it. So I tweeted about how much I liked it, and one of uh, my mutuals on there was like, "Yeah, I saw it with a theater full of Brazilian people, and they were cheering and clapping. And when the film ended, <laughs> ended, they all started chanting various slogans of the leftist party of Brazil as they left the theater. Whoa, and I was just what? like, that's so amazing. Like, I wish that had been my experience watching this movie <laughs> instead of just me alone in my basement at six in the morning. Like, oh, this is pretty good, actually. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen it, I don't want to, because this is a very new movie and I'm really hoping it's a very new movie you will check out. Uh, we're going to try not to spoil it. There might be mild spoilers, but we're not going to give away the whole film. Um, however, that being said, uh, it is a film set in Brazil about a very small community that's kind of on the edge. It, it, it almost doesn't exist. It's so small. Yeah, and it's, it's like not mentioned on a map. Right. And what I like what this movie does is it doesn't give you the whole story up front. There's no sequence where they're like, all right, here's Tom and here's Bill and here's what they do in the community and here's this. It unfolds over time. And in fact, 
um, the true history of the town and the political nature of the town isn't revealed till like the end of the movie. It's like part of the stinger of the film of like, oh, oh. Uh, But you do get some sense at the very beginning that this is a community that doesn't get along with its local government, that has a lot of respect. There's a local, it seems like he might have at one time been a criminal or a drug dealer or something. Uh, who is has taken over this dam and is in some sort of like political standoff sort of thing. Uh, but you get the feeling that he wasn't originally necessarily a revolutionary, that he was more of a thug or a gangster, but he grew up in this town, Baccarat. Um So uh, the film begins with the, the death of a very important woman. She's not necessarily the head. She doesn't have a political office, but clearly she was important to the town community. Yeah, like in a matriarch kind of way. Yeah, and they have this funeral for her, and it's you know, you can tell it's a mixed thing that there are people who love her and respect her, but there's also a woman who is drunk, who's like yelling about how angry she is at at this woman, even in her death. Uh, So, you know, it's, it's sort of showing a community that is like warts and all sort of thing. It's like the full specter of humanity. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, as the movie progresses, it becomes clear and clear that weird things are happening around the town, uh, including they have to, so they have a water issue. They, they're not getting water uh, and, mm. and it's an issue with the with their local government. And so they have a water truck come every day to supply this town with its only source of water. And this day that it comes in, it's been shot and it's leaking water. And this begins a series of events that eventually uh, you realize that the town is under you know, sort of subtly under attack from this group of international hunters who hunt people using they say <laughs> they say vintage guns but like a couple of these guys have like newer guns they're not really yeah, vintage. like high power weapons well yeah, i yeah, think yeah. the suggestion is it's very again this film doesn't hold your hand you have to pick up on details there's enough details that i realize this film is set in the future because some of the tech mm. that these hunters have is not real is futuristic tech. yeah it's yeah. like sci-fi so the guy with the ak-47 in this reality his gun is retro because it's in the future. But what that I love the makers of the movie did is Baccarat feels like how Brazil or any small, you know, uh, two thirds world community feels like now. Like there's not really a difference other than the fact that Baccarat has pretty good internet access and it, they have a <laughs> nice TV for their classroom. Everything else about it feels like if you went to any community south of the United States now that was poor. It would be like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, uh-huh. it doesn't matter that it's the future everywhere else. In Baccarat, they're like, yeah, we got a tablet. That's how we're in the future. It's like a a tablet from now is what they have in yeah. the future, you know? And that's like the retro like thing, though. Yeah, dude. And like the flat screen TV in yep. the classroom. Yeah. And like, it's just, it's actually a really artful way to... Um, futurize a third yeah, world yeah well and what they really show you is that this is a community of a variety of people like there's the local prostitutes and that everyone knows who they are and they're out in the open there's the teacher who like is clearly like a very smart man you know who's like a doctor but clearly you know? Liz like did something or yes. like ended up yes. there like you get the sense that like he didn't choose to be there but he's doing the best that he can with being there what which is a a really subtle way to show that. Oh, like, how yeah. do you th- write that? You know what I mean? That's. I thought that was really a really brilliantly realized character. Yeah, I mean, what that that dude. We get, and that's what this movie does. Is uh, there's 
if you're looking for one character to attach to, the movie doesn't give you that. It gives you a community. No, it doesn't. And it might be hard to connect to that community for some people because I don't feel like everyone in this film is a great sort of super polished actor. Some people are more character actors. Some people maybe haven't acted much before. I don't, for me, none of that mattered. Like, I love the community feel. I love getting small bits of these characters over time. I love, like, the guy who everyone knows has, like, a criminal past because they've watched the YouTube video of him executing people. Like, he, yeah. he clearly has Whoa. worked as a hitman for drug dealers. And so, like, there's a great best of on YouTube of him murdering people, which, like, those things exist. Like, that's not just made up for this movie. So, you know, I wasn't, you know, that kind of works for the film. Uh, And there's, you know, local people who are trying to help with, like, medicine and food and, you know, the whole community sort of on the brink, but they're getting by and they're sticking together. And the same thing continues as they face this danger. And, you know, I really, uh, yes, I love Udo Kier. I actually like the performances of a lot of these um, hunter people because it, it they really were I felt like playing out so many white people stereotypes like mm. let's be very specific these people are not just hunters of humans they are also racist and there's a very important yeah, but they're also like the privileged right, like right it, it's apparent that it costs them a lot of money to be there oh yeah oh yeah and yeah it's it's a pretty interesting I mean it's a funny trope really. right right well, there's it, it, it's it's definitely like they, it is a kind of blunt metaphor, but one I still <laughs> like for colonialists, for people who treat, they're treating this Brazilian community like it exists just for them to do whatever they want, like a lot of places. And in fact, they have local people who are helping them. I say local, they're Brazilian. They're not local to that community. Mm. And remember, there's this whole scene where they're like, well, are these people white? I don't know. They don't seem that white. You know, there's this whole question. <laughs> and, you know, that's a real question in Brazil. You know, like, let's keep in mind that uh, all across uh, South America, whether it's a Portuguese or Spanish-speaking nations, there's this whole colorism question around uh, how people of different skin tones treat each other. And so the fact that these folks who are from the more developed southern part of Brazil are like, as soon as they show up in the community, everyone's like, oh, look at these posh, whatever. But then when they're around these Americans, the Americans are like, I don't know, they don't seem white to me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and like, really, it's just because they speak Portuguese or, you know, the, the one woman, the woman has a has a larger nose or whatever. Like, they're doing all this like racial politicking with these two. Uh, but it really shows like, to me, at least, it, it touched on that issue and, and that idea of, like, what does that privilege mean in different contexts? Anyways, yeah, it, it feels to me like a film that has a lot of, like, um, cultural intelligence and political intelligence while still trying to be, like, not quite an exploitation film, but, like, a genre film. Like, it's not... Yeah, it's not just a regular film. It's definitely right. a genre film at its heart. Yes. And and that's what that's what makes it such an interesting watch. Yeah. Right? Because it's like this genre film done with the intention that all genre film fans would want to see. Right. right? Like this honesty. And um yeah, real effective, huh? I liked the there so you know, as it becomes clear that things are going wrong, we get a certain amount of like uh violence, discovering of people who are dead. And yet there's this moment that could have been super dark. Um, I don't want to ruin it for y'all, but you'll know it when it comes. There's this moment that really could have been 
a real heart wrencher and it still is but you know you don't see what happens you don't see right. it and that choice i felt was like a dignified choice and in fact the only once we get to the ultra super gore that's all saved for these american i mean they're not all american but in theory american hunters that they're the ones who get their heads exploded or get bloody shot up bits or love it love it love yeah, every moment so of it. good uh, yeah but uh, i was gonna say there's it's not just so there's this sort of um kind of fun and funny developing of who this community is and their quirks and whatever and then there's this like dark comedy of the hunters and what their dynamics are and all that stuff um but there's also moments of like really like transcendent kind of beauty honestly uh and one of those for me was um they've sort of gathered together they've gotten some local folks you know more involved and i I don't want to get too much into the plot details there but basically they know something is at stake they know that they're in danger they don't know the exact nature of it but they're kind of preparing themselves for some sort of battle and the way that they're preparing themselves is they're doing capoeira oh yeah that scene is amazing yeah i like it's and they sing the song from only the strong which i'm assuming is like that's like the the song i mean i sang it when i took capoeira at princeton and you know through through taking i love that you're just throwing it that you took capoeira at princeton well casually i did i I know i love it i love it so much it's my favorite thing that started my obsession with capoeira and then i watched two different (laughs) documentaries about it that really detailed i mean so here's the thing for people to understand. If you don't know anything about Brazil and you're watching this movie, you might not get A, there are communities that are on the edge like this because right now in Brazil, and this film sort of is in the future, but it's in the same context, the government is a fascist right-wing government. Like That is the government that's in power right now. So if you are a community with a history of leftist activism, then guess what? You're on the shit list right now regardless. You know. Yeah. Plus, you know, lots of parts of whether you've you might have been to sao paulo or you might have been to wherever there are small communities all over brazil just like anywhere else in the two-thirds world that are dealing with extreme poverty but that doesn't mean they're not educated doesn't mean they're not intelligent doesn't mean they're not resourceful just they don't have resources and that's where this community is but getting to the capoeira that the history of capoeira is that capoeira was a dance that slaves taught to each other as like a form of resistance and that that's its relationship between fighting and dancing that they were really learning how to fight under the guise of dancing so seeing this community facing danger practicing capoeira it's clearly symbolic no one's going to do capoeira on these guys like no one busts out capoeira at any time but it's symbolic that they do this as a community as a way to prepare themselves because it's both preparing for battle and beautiful and celebratory and a way to like engage each other in dance and music i cried man i like was just straight up like that's that's a beautiful representation of the strength of this community um and i get it like for a lot of people cap wear is a punchline and and i don't think that's I don't think that's actually disrespectful to a certain extent. Capoeira is funny. Like I get it. Like if you're if you're an MMA guy, you're thinking Capoeira is just dancing. It's not real fighting. But I'm just saying the history of it in that context in this film. It I thought it was mm. I thought it was a wonderful scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd agree. That's awesome. So I mean, I I will say if you're someone for whom you're an action junkie, you do have to get through a lot of. Yeah, there's there's a lot of character stuff that happens in here, and there's a lot of characterizations of the scenario that that goes into it. So it's not your John Wick style action flick. No, per se. no, and even and, even when stuff starts, it's not about 
pulsating action. It's about brutality. You know, yeah. that it's not trying to excite you. It's trying to uh, scratch a certain itch. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to say more than that. Let's just, but but if you're looking for like huge gun battles, like that's not what this movie is at all. Uh, I will also say, though, that if you're like, oh, it's a Brazilian, it's sort of a meandering Brazilian art film with a certain amount of politics. Um, let's be clear, though. There is gore in this movie. This can be yeah. at certain times a gory film, which I fucking love. But Dude, the gore bits are insane too. I think really like, good. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Like super. Like okay, not to spoil, but there's a, there's a decapitation in here that I yep. when it happens, I was like, oh shit, what the fuck is that? And I consider myself a relatively seasoned gorehound. Like, I've yeah. seen a thing or two. Yeah. And uh, it still had me at, like, oh, man, that shit is real. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think for me that what it boils down to is that it works really well as a, as a, as a picture of a community. It works really well as a genre picture uh, and, and about uh, really a siege film in a certain way. All those yeah. genre aspects – uh, if you include art film as genre, all those genre aspects work, but it all works towards a goal of having a specific message aesthetic come out that is very political. And that was sort of the the tie that binds for me that made the whole thing this satisfying like, yeah, that's how this movie should end. You know, not with some <laughs> like, you know, I a similar film historically would end with like, a community being crushed, a community being just victimized, and you're just like, "Oh, that's sad. What a sad movie." And this film is just not interested in that. Like, that's just not no. what they're going to do. And it's the, you know, if you're looking for some sadness porn, that's not what this movie is for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's the most triumphant of movies. It's not like a feel good sure. movie by any means, but it definitely has a story arc that ends with a victor, and it's it's great. I think it's really, really well done, and I think it's a beautiful movie. I will say I felt pretty good at the end of it, but that's probably because I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder at the moment, just like <laughs> angry at the world. So, uh, you know, I don't – I agree with Josh. It's not meant to be feel-good per se, but uh, for my taste, I was like, yeah, dog, yeah. Feel, I mean, feel the, obvious, the obvious comparison is going to be The Hunt, and I will say that sure. it made me realize how much I disliked The Hunt. Like and how irritating I found that movie to be, and uh, just as a general rule, yeah. If if the widespread criticism of a movie is like, yeah, well, some people just don't know how to laugh. Like, no, nah, man, that means your movie sucks, bro. Like, that's not the the problem. Isn't the fact that people don't know how to watch movies and enjoy them. The problem is that your movie is bad. To so, to me, like the hunt comparison is fair as far as the uh, topic, but I think it's also fair because the hunt is like trying to be a fun funny movie that also has a the mildest of perspectives and the mildest of points and then i think it flubs its point horribly and that flub makes the fun action of the film slightly less enjoyable and side note wastes one of the better performances of the year by the way because our the main actress whose name escapes me but she's in glow uh She's actually killing it. I think she actually is great in that movie, but that does not save what is basically to me a terrible movie. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I guess terrible, strong, but it's it is a failure at what it's trying to be. Whereas this film 
doesn't have any star power outside of Udo Kier, who's not even the main part of the movie. Yeah, um, if Udo Kier is your star power, you're either going super big or you're going yeah, not big at all. Yeah. And in this movie, in this instance, it is not trying to go super big, but it achieves super bigness because of Udo Kier. It, it really nails it. Really nails what it's trying to be and what it's trying to do in a way that I found not just engaging, but kind of inspiring. Like, oh, I love that you could tell a story like this and that it works. I think, um, you know, I, you know, as I was talking about how much I loved it, definitely some people didn't vibe with it the way that I did. Some people didn't love the ending, or some people felt like it was a little scattered. And I, and I hear all that stuff, but for for my taste, this was like a an out of the park. Now, granted, it's really early in the year. And I haven't seen a lot of movies, so it's not saying much. But so far, this is the best movie I think I've seen this year for me, oh, for wow. my taste. Yeah. Now, granted, like I said, it's it's April, and I have not seen that many movies because it's been hard to watch movies uh, during the <laughs> pandemic. But, you know, that being said, I really I really <laughs> but, you know. It. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, I'm not Super saying fun. nothing, but I do realize that this year – I'm saying less than I would normally say by saying this is the best movie I've seen this year. Yeah, no, cosign. Yeah, I hear you. It's just where we're at, though. So, uh, 100%, check out Baccarat, and I would say pay for it. You know, if you if you have the means. If you're poor and you need to not do that, I'm not going to judge you. But if you have the means, I think this is a good way to support your local theater and to support Kino and putting this movie out because this movie could have just gone away. It could have just the like so many things just disappeared and and instead it's like out there for you to catch. And so if you can, I'd I'd support it. Yeah, agreed. Hundred percent worth the watch, worth the time, and uh yeah, man. Good flick. There's a UFO in there that just made me laugh too in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean when, it's it's a drone. It, it's like a there's a reason for it to be there, but when I first saw it I thought Oh, is this movie going to go completely like weirdo batshit on me for a second? Like, what's going on? I didn't even catch it. Melani was like, wait a minute. Did you just see that? I'm like, wait, what? I was just watching the dude on the motorcycle. <laughs> She's like, a UFO just popped up. And it did. So we had to rewind it for a moment just so I could look at it. It blew my mind. I mean, I do love the idea that some nerd would have a drone that just looks like a UFO. And <laughs> and that when the motorcycle guy tells someone about it, he said, yeah, I was being followed by a drone. I mean, it looked like a UFO from a 50s movie, but it was a drone. Like that he was not <laughs> fooled at all. Like he wasn't like, oh, no, it's a UFO. He's like, look at this dumb drone. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, let's talk about the other movie we watched, which is, by the way, I, I just want to fully acknowledge, as a pure double feature, this is a completely insane double feature. These films are yeah, not related. These are disparate movies. Yeah. They're they're not thematically linked in any way. They're only linked in that they're new and that you probably, if you aren't paying a ton of attention, might not have heard of these movies. So that's really their connection. So let's talk about uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Uh, Josh, what is this movie about? This movie is about these two young ladies that are in high school in a central Pennsylvania town. And one of them finds out that she is pregnant and um, she is then tasked with the undertaking of trying to figure out how they're going to get to New York City so that she can have an abortion without her parents finding out. So that is and then like the, her friend is also her cousin. So the two of them t- undertake this like buddy movie style mission into New York City from central PA to to get an abortion 
it's a movie with really high stakes. Yes. But that is told in a very small way. Yes. Oh, that's a perfect description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a tough one. It's not an easy watch. It's um, it's it definitely ends up being more of an essay on, not just so much gender, but also just pressures and friendship. It becomes a, a statement on family to a degree, but friendship really. Yeah. Overall, I think it, it's like a weirdo buddy movie. So. Like, yeah. It's like a dire buddy movie is what it is. So this is from the director of Beach Rats, which I don't know if you caught that, but um, the year it came out, it was on my top 10 list. I think that was two years ago that Beach Rats came out. Mm. Um, and Beach Rats is very much a weirdo romantic movie about a guy who was part of the douchebag community at the shore or Long Island <laughs> or whatever it was who is uh, who's gay and he's in the closet. And so he's trying to keep his relationships with his friends while still trying to figure out, you know, lo- his love life as a-, a gay man, you know, and I say, man, he's barely a man, you know, he's an adult, but he's not yet an adult, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, and it's, it's a heartbreaking, but kind of beautiful film. I really liked it. I think this movie is way better. Uh, and that's no disrespect to beach rats. I just think it, it works all the way through. And I think what's important to keep in mind about this movie is that, um, it's not that it's not a, any movie that is a movie about abortion, about uh, you know choice, whatever, however you want to think about it. Any movie like that is going to be political. But what this movie does really well is demonstrate um, not just the the sort of red hot issue of it all, but just the realistic difficulty of what's happening. That a I, I get why they exist, but the idea that there are places called women's clinics that are actually just propaganda facilities to keep you from getting uh, an abortion, that's that's awful. And, and it is a documented fact that they will sometimes lie to people about how far along they are to prevent them from being able to get a procedure. So that's, you know, part of what happens in this film is she goes to this place, they give her a pregnancy test, which, by the way, the test they give her is just a store-bought test she could have done on her own. It's not even, like, medically viable. It's just something she could have bought for herself. Uh, And then they lie to her about how far along she is and make this big deal out of the sonogram that she's got to hear the heartbeat and all this. It's all about the manipulation of this girl and uh even then when she gets to new york you know she's going to the place in which in theory it is easy to get an abortion if you listen to any sort of propaganda around this thing they make it sound like anyone could just go to this you know uh liberal babylon that is new york and just get abortions on demand (laughs) no matter how old they are well that's not real that's not really how life is and so these young women have to go through a lot and in fact it's it's about as you said friendship it's also about sacrifice and it's in i think in a much larger way even though again it's going to be political because it involves abortion. It's a lot more about gender dynamics. It's about the ways that women yeah. are used and abused and treated like they're not human in this world and how the question around pregnancy is just an extension of how we think about women. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. It's also uh, in that it also is a tale of the corruption of right. innocence and how these, um, delicate moments and these really tenderly shot instances convey these entire narratives. And, uh, I think that that's actually the most, uh, 
the most stunning achievement of this movie. Sure. That our main, our main protagonist in this movie, I mean, she talks in the movie and like, she has like a bunch of poignant bits, but like a lot of the, the more uh, compelling moments of her performance are, are not vocal. Right. They're in the, the looks with the therapist at the, uh, at the clinic in New York city. They're uh, just the bus ride with her cousin these things i think these things are pretty uh, i mean like credit to her as an actress but i i do think that it's the director sure that really um navigated these waters with that like finesseful air i mean i know? do want to lift up her performance so like i so i you know i don't know if we've said totally but for for me definitely i love this film i think it, it works all the way through and i could lift up the you know the camera work in the film it's very it feels all very handheld and up close i could lift up the editing yeah. or the script but to me the performance from this actress sells this movie and the moment you're talking like one of the for me one of the most poignant moments i've seen in a movie in a long fucking time in a seriously long time was this moment she is talking to you know in new york she's trying to get this procedure she has to talk to like a counselor and the counselor's asking her what are honestly fair questions it's not that invasive but it's a little personal and as soon as it starts to get around questions around abuse around being forced to do things she didn't want to do about her relationships with dudes the way that she breaks down felt so ungodly real like so like yeah that entire I agree. sequence i i felt i like i oh it's yeah as a person that works with compromised communities and people dealing with like huge traumas it definitely felt very authentic in that like it felt very uh visceral the reactions that she had to the questions that i mean again they're not non-invasive they're definitely personal questions but they're 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 necessary questions to be asked right in these scenarios and um Man, it's just how she just goes and starts crying. Ugh. Well, and it's the performance it's of it too, like that it's uh it's not about a script. She doesn't give a speech. She doesn't have any sharp lines. She's not revealing herself through fancy words. The that visual facial performance and the way the camera stays on her, the combo of the directing and then what she brings to that role, which feels real it's heartbreaking it's unbelievable it's just this next level experience that i just was like oh wow this movie is more than i realized it was going to be again not that i thought it was going to be bad but i i feel like that aspect and i'm focused on her because of that scene which i think was particularly good but her friend is also very strong i see her friend it's her cousin but her cousin is also very strong um and uh it's important to say uh, people might not realize this watching the film. Um, a lot of the people they interact with in the clinic, those are not actors. Those are actual people working in Planned Parenthood in New York City who are willing to be a part of this movie to lend a certain like credibility and reality to the film. And so, like, yeah, to me that just speaks that much more to the film as a whole. You know? Yeah, it speaks a lot more to the process yeah. of actually making the film. And to actually, it, it brings to mind the Kubrick uh, adage of uh, if it can be thought, it can be filmed. And it's that, but turned uh, towards a re- turning the lens towards a reality. 
because there's a lot of times you see things about like real ass movies where you're like, oh, that's not how it is. You know what I mean? But this felt very authentic in in its delivery of what it of what it's portraying. And I actually didn't know that those are actual clinicians in the movie, but um, it definitely adds an air of gravitas to to what's playing well, out. In front I only of the knew the, you know I've I listened to before we watched the film. I listened to a couple of podcasts that were talking about the movie, and that was part of the reason I chose it because there are actually a ton of movies available right now. We could have picked so many things to be a part of this, um, but that was one of the movies that kept being brought up by people I respect. It's like yo. This is actually really good and and maybe really important right now for people to understand the reality because mm. I think the perception is that that this process is easy that it, that we've made it so easy for people and we've it we've made it so that um, you can just go out and do whatever you want and the reality is this is still a privileged thing it's still a thing that costs money it's still a thing that demands a certain amount of resources and it's still a thing that um, is not available everywhere that these young women have to travel. I'm guessing like four to five hours on a bus. The town that they say they're from is a real town in Pennsylvania. They're 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 basically uh, I think two hours west of Wilkesbury is where they're supposed to be from. Mm. And so the idea that like there's nothing they could do, you know, there's just nowhere they could go, um, and that they would. I mean, let let's say that she was an adult and wanted to get a procedure. Uh, she'd still have to go to a city. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 partly that she doesn't want her parents to know. That's like a major part of it. But also, it's not like there's a local spot in that town. You know, there's no Planned Parenthood in yeah. that community. Mm-hmm. And even just the beginning of the film showing that community. You know, this like this is. I mean, this is a Pennsylvania thing that maybe will strike some people watching this movie as a weird thing. But this is what it is in Pennsylvania. There's a million towns that have a downtown infrastructure filled with empty businesses. You know what I wow. mean? Like that's what it's like all over this. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There were enough people there at some point that they built like what is it? Maybe twenty stores total. You know, just just a just a cross section. But there's nothing there now, and it's just people really struggling. And even her family, like the mm-hmm. moments we see at the beginning with her family and everything, all that felt so painfully authentic. You know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's a, it's actually a really really good movie. It was very it was very difficult to watch. It wasn't. I mean, I won't say it was a pleasant experience, but uh, it was a movie that I found very compelling and I thought was really really. It well didn't done. feel though. I will say it didn't feel um, melodramatic. You know what I mean? Like the the whole thing was difficult and painful, but there weren't. I don't feel like the film ever like poked me in the heartstrings in the way that some people might find manipulative. Like, I don't feel the film mm-hmm. is trying to, which I, when I say that, I, I, I let me very, be very specific. I mean, the way that some people might feel is manipulative. I don't mind a certain amount of melodrama. I don't mind a certain amount of yeah. manipulation. If I feel like it's earned, if I feel like it's part of the strength of telling a story, I'm okay with that. That doesn't bum me out. Yeah. Give me some movie magic. That's fine. But I'm also not criticizing this movie. I think this movie is very powerful and very taxing and asking a lot of you without being as dramatic as this could be, without having big scenes of big emotions. heartstring, yeah. like, swell moments. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, as you said, it's a quiet, it's a small film. It's a film that is focused on very, very precise, tight moments. But what's at stake for these young women feels massive at any moment. 
something could be yeah. horribly wrong and ooh, horribly my anxiety wrong. Yeah, level and was everything so go huge. fucked up. Dude, and that fucking kid on the bus. Oh, yeah. Asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is brutal, man. <laughs> Dude. Ooh. It's, it's, you know, there's a part of me where, I, you know, there, again, I don't want to spoil too much of this movie for people. I don't think it's a movie that can be spoiled. There's not like, it doesn't have that kind of narrative tension. There's no, no gotcha, no, 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 gotcha no. thing. But I don't yeah. want to say too much because I want people to enjoy watching it on their own. But I will say, um, there's a certain point where they're not being completely forthright about what they're doing or where they're at. And there's a part of me that kind of like always is frustrated by that because I'm the kind of person that is, tends to be very open. So when people in a film aren't doing that, there's part of me that's like, well, wouldn't this be easier if they were just out there? But when you think about the scene uh, with a therapist where she's expressing by not saying anything, but just reacting, expressing her, the pain she's gone through, the way she's been abused and manipulated without saying anything, just by reacting mm-hmm. to the question. Um, and then you see how predatory this dude is with her cousin. It's like, well, yeah, of course they're completely behind a wall. Like, why wouldn't you be? In what reality is it safe to be yourself? In what reality is it safe to put yourself out there? So, like, it was this thing where, like, part of me is feeling very frustrated, but then part of me is like, yeah, of course. Like, don't, you know, why would they say anything? Why would they really be honest about where they're at? It's, there's no indication that that's okay for them to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man, I, I feel like Man. there's maybe more we could say sort of about the style of it and things like that, but I, you know, and I'm not trying to like make this a shorter episode for y'all, but I do think I want to, both these movies have certain delights to show you that I don't want to ruin for you. Um, though with the second movie, I say delights, I just mean quality filmmaking. I don't think there's any point in this movie where you're going to feel particularly tickled. It's a downer the whole no. time. <laughs> Uh, but it's not a downer yeah. that's mean or cruel. It's not trying to hurt your feelings. It's not. It's just showing you how it is, and it's a very yes. stark downer. And yet, even the way it ended, though, dude, I, I just felt like, you know, again, I'm not trying to ruin this for anyone, but I don't know. Nothing like upbeat happens. That's not what I mean. But there was a sense of like community, like they're together. There's a little bit of hope in that, you know. Uh, I could. I mean, of course, the the hope is in the right. DNA, right? Like it's in. It's not like they're going through this whole thing to have a worse right, life, right? Right. It's like the challenge that's getting them to have the better life. So of course, the hope is inherent at the end. But um, man, well, and I don't the think journey. the movie does that. The one danger here would be to show the resilience of these young women in such a way where it that's pandering yeah. or even like or that it childish, lets the system you know I mean? off the hook, like like. They shouldn't have to be as resilient as they are. It should be easier for them in this world, not just in the question of getting this procedure, but in everywhere. Everywhere they go, they're in danger. Everything about their lives is, like, gross and stupid. And yeah. so um, the the movie shows them overcoming certain difficulties without ever saying, so it's fine, they'll figure it out, y'all. It's always, like, this is what it is and 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 you know i guess different people react different ways but me watching it i'm like this is such a fucking the tragedy is that they go through it even if it's in the end a kind of triumph it's still a tragedy that this is i'm watching it going yeah this is exactly right everything about this is real you know (laughs) 
So yeah, we kind of went from a more upbeat uh, one to a downer, but I still think uh, we're accomplishing our goal here, which is these are two movies that you should check out and support, uh, and 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 hopefully our endorsement goes towards that. And um, if there are other films you've been able to check out during this time, uh, not just the classics you've been meaning to, but I'm saying newer movies <laughs> that are you've paid for the streaming for, or you've checked out something that's like just got on Netflix or whatever it is. Um, let us know. I'd love to hear from y'all. And uh, if we if we catch the same thing, like we can talk about it on social media, or you know, we me and Josh can add it into our whack it on track for the next episode, or whatever it is. Uh, so let us know what you've been able to catch. But uh, I don't know about you, Josh, but I'm giving a huge like uh, I don't know. I don't want to rip, rip off Roger and Ebert, but let's just say <laughs> these are on track. These movies are on track. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent on track. Definitely highly recommended on both. So, ends. hey, um, we really, really, really hope that you are safe and healthy, that everyone you love and care about is safe and healthy, and that uh, during this time you are not so quarantined that you're wondering how you're going to get by. So we're thinking about you, and we just really appreciate that people are still checking us out, supporting us, um, and we want to do what we can. Even yeah. listening to yeah. us. <laughs> well, I kind of, I kind of consider listening support, but I guess you're right. I, it sounds like I only mean financial support, <laughs> but I just meant, you know, uh, anyone who uh, uh, retweets us, anyone who checks out an episode, anyone who mentions to a friend that they like the show, we love, love, love you, and really appreciate you. So, thanks so much. Uh, please, like we always say, you know, download, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. But, uh, you know, the, the, the best thing of all is just to share it with your friends. If you're enjoying anything that we do, whether it's this show or any of the other shows we have, including the new one we just launched, uh, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe, um, just tell people. Just tell your friends about it. That's, that's really how this thing grows, and uh, we really appreciate you. Yep. Thank you for listening. And that is episode 110, Done and Done. Boom. Smoke bomb. <laughs> Anyone hear us? This is Trey Lawson. And I'm James Hickson. Anyone can hear this broadcast. We need your help. We've been kidnapped and imprisoned in a tomb by this creepy old undertaker named Mr. Gravely. And he's forcing us to review his collection of Marvel horror comics. Stuff like Tomb of Dracula. Werewolf by Night. Man-Thing. Ghost Rider. And so much more. If you can hear this, please contact our families. Tell them we can be found at... You can find James and Trey every other Wednesday at the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel horror podcast. See you there, Tomb Believers. <laughs> <laughs>